0: like a deep belief in something that you can't explain. I don't know. Faith is the opposite of fear. Faith is being comfortable and not knowing what's gonna happen next. Faith is what keeps us going. Escapism, but also intuition. I believe faith is hoping for something you don't see. This morning I had faith in the New York City subway, which did not come on time. I have faith in in human, human good and that there is more good than evil. Tonight, I'm going to have faith in Uber. I have faith in humanity. I have faith in people. Honestly, I've just been trying to have faith in myself. Me? an architect. Someone that created all this. I have faith in nature. I have faith in the animals. I have faith in the universe.
1: <laughs> what is faith? What do you have faith in? What do you put your trust in? We're in a series called Asking for a Friend. We're asking questions that uh, maybe you've had. Maybe you have right now, maybe questions that you didn't know to ask or you were afraid to ask, but questions that we need to be talking about. And so we're talking about what is faith? How can I have faith? It's what I want to talk about today. How can I have faith? Last week, we spent more time talking about who is Jesus and really looking at what is the evidence in, for Jesus? What is the evidence that he is the son of God? What did he say about himself? And it was more on the apologetic side of things, like trying to really give some proofs and some understanding of, of that context. Today as I think about faith and as we are going to talk about what does it mean to have faith, we're going to move from the evidence side to the relationship side. I really want us to spend a little more time thinking through relationship because sometimes we see God in a distant way and we think about faith and we think about religion and we think about the, the, the Bible and the things we need to know and theology. But what about faith being more like a relationship, to see it in, in that way? When I think about relationships, and, and, and I'm going to use this as an example throughout the, the message this morning, I think about uh, the relationship that's most important in my life, and that's my relationship with my wife. And so um, when I think about meeting Shannon, I've got a picture here of uh, when Shannon and I first met on a, on a missions trip. I know it's really grainy. It's the, it's the one on the, the right. Is our, I think that's our first picture ever together, kind of standing together in a group shot there. And then that was a picture a little bit later. That's my nephew on my, I, my lap. And yeah, that was us back in like the 1997 or something like that. And meeting Shannon changed everything about my life. From that moment when I met her, all of a sudden things that were important didn't seem so important anymore. It was like a singular focus. It was about getting to know her and, and, and building that relationship. And from that day on, my life has been different, completely different. And I wouldn't go back to life before Shannon than it is now. And everything has changed. And, and when we think about this complete transformation that a relationship can have, that's the relationship of faith as well. Look at Second 2 Corinthians 2.17. Those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore. For the old life is gone and new life has begun. When we begin in a new relationship, when, when we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, when something changes in us, it, it is a new life. A brand new life begins. And he says, those who become Christians, a new life begins for them. What is a Christian? Have you ever thought about that? How do you define that? How do you describe that? What is a Christian? That might be something good to talk about in in your small groups. What is a Christian? Well, you might say, well, some people out there might say it's somebody who was born in a Christian country. If You're born in America. Americans are Christian, right? Being born in America doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a Chipotle makes you a burrito. Okay? (laughs) Proximity does not... Change you, okay? That you don't, you don't instantly become that. I mean, maybe there's in, in name only in some ways, but that's not really what a Christian is. You might say, well, going to church. A Christian is someone who goes to church. Well, going to church, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in an oven makes you a biscuit. All right, I'll stop with those analogies, okay? But the idea is, proximity and just being in this place does not make you a Christian. Now you might say, well, being Christian—that uh, that's a nice person. Christians are are, are nice people. Well, news alert. Atheists are nice people too. (laughs) People who don't believe are nice people too. We meet lots of people who are nice people who who don't believe. And so, what makes someone a Christian? Well, and on the other side of the spectrum, Christians are don't always have the best reputation in in our country and the way people see them. Christians, they're judgmental. They think they're better than everyone else. They're so political, da-da-da-da-on and on. What is a Christian? Now you might say, here's the answer. A Christian is someone who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Does that make you a Christian? You're on the right path, but what does the Bible also tell us, though? The Bible says that even the devil and his demons believe that. Because they recognize, they understand that's who he is. So what makes someone a Christian? And that word Christian, when it originated in Scripture, was actually a a term that was given to the believers by outsiders. That was not something they called themselves. Christian is actually like the diminutive. It's the smaller form of Christ. It's almost like little Christs. And I think that was maybe that was meant derogatory towards them. I don't know. Or maybe it was complimentary. They were, hopefully they took it as complimentary. They were representing Christ. They were small Christ. They, they They were of the group of those who belonged to Christ. What are, uh, what are fans of Beyonce called? The beehive. Good. I'm glad most of you didn't even know that. Uh, <laughs> all right. How about this one? Uh, fans of Taylor Swift. Swifties. <laughs> Christians are Christies. <laughs> the Christ hive. I don't know. No, Christians, right? But it's uh, this idea. There's an affiliation. There's a connection. And, but we have to ask, what does that really mean, though? What is a Christian if it's not those other things? In real simple terms, we could just say it this way. It's someone who believes and follows Jesus. Someone who believes and follows. There's a real strong correlation. It's not just believing, but it's believing and following. Now, that's really simplistic, and we can go a lot deeper into that. What does it mean to believe? What are you believing in? Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins? that he died and rose again, and that he's coming back, and that we can have eternal life with him, that we believe that we are forgiven and set free. Yes, God, I, you're my Lord and Savior. That's believing. And then putting my, my faith in that and, and trusting that, and then following. Now that I know that, how do I live? What do I do as a result of that in, in, in my life? And so you, you think about believing and following, but some of you might say or you might wonder, how do you know like, when you become a Christian? For some people, it seems to happen in an instant, in a moment. They can point to the date and the time. For others, it was a period of time, and, and it just happened over, over years, perhaps. I think for me, it's a kind of a combination of both. I grew up in a Christian home and, and went to church all the time, and I think I can't really ever remember a time where I, I didn't believe. But there was definitely a time when I was in middle school where I made a personal commitment, a personal decision to say, you know what, this is what I believe. And I remember kneeling and praying and receiving Jesus Christ and saying, God, here's my sins. I I confess. I ask for your forgiveness. And I remember that that sense of God's presence was an affirming moment for me, that I believe that he is the son of God and gave me new life. And I was baptized some time after that. And, and had my roller coaster of life as well, walking in faith, and sometimes really being on fire, and other times questioning and, and struggling, but, but I can point to that moment. And then it's just been a journey of faith ever since. How do you know? The question here, do you know if you are a Christian? Question I want to ask you. <laughs> do you know? Because I think there's a lot of people that say, I'm not really sure, I'm not sure if I, I know. And, and so you think like, if you're married, back to that relationship, if you're married, you, you know you're married, right? Do you, right? Hopefully, you know you're married. If you're a Christian, you can know you're a Christian, too. Now, in this, uh, we're paralleling a lot of the teaching out of the Alpha course that's uh, with, with Nikki Gumbel. I've been sharing that over the last several weeks, and, and they do a survey and ask people, you know, do you know you're a Christian, and, and, um, and, and do you call yourself a Christian? And here are some of the answers that they've gotten as people are exploring faith. And some said, yes, but without any real experience of a relationship with God, Another person said, Are "You a Christian sort of?" I'm Christian? Yeah, I'm I'm a Christian, quote unquote. Someone said, "Not sure." Another person said, "I'm Christian-ish." Another one, um, yes, though looking back, possibly no. <laughs> so I mean, there, there can be this uncertainty sometimes in our faith because we're dealing with something that's like spiritual and we feel like, I don't know, can we, can we know? But let's take it out of that realm of, of, um, of, of the spiritual and faith and, and, and put it back into a, a human relationship. And if I were to say, if, something, if one of you went up to Shannon and asked Shannon, do you know um, if you're married? And if, what if she said yes, but without any real experience of a relationship? with Mark. <laughs> you'd be like, okay, um, sort of. Well, that'd be an interesting answer. Do you know if you're married? Uh, married. Married, right? Cool. Married-ish, right? Or maybe, what if she answered the, like the other person did? Yes, though, looking back, possibly no. I mean, you'd be like, well, <laughs> are you married or are you not? Like, and sometimes we, we approach our faith that way, like, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I believe I grew up in the church or my parents took me a time and I haven't been going for some years or I've been back. How do you know? How do you know if you're a Christian? And, 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 and what the Bible reminds us is that you can absolutely know. We don't have to question. You can absolutely know. First John 5.13 says this, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So you may know, there doesn't have to be any question, there doesn't have to be any doubt, you don't have to go through your life and, and, and wonder if, if I pass away, if something happens, what happens in the afterlife? What happens now, you can know with certainty, absolutely, and, and just like I can know that I'm married. So what I want to talk about today is, uh, is this question, how can I have faith? how can i have faith i want to i want to talk with you about the key elements in this this relationship that you can leave here today knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have faith in christ and that he has saved you when i think about having faith the first thing that i want to say is trust god's love it begins with trusting god's love This is what sets Christianity apart from so many of the other religions and and, and beliefs and teachings out there, is that God is desiring and pursuing a relationship with us. God is the one who wants to to love us. He wants to be in relationship with us. It's not just, and so this phrase here, faith is not about a religion, but a relationship. This is so important, and we get this backwards all the time. We think it's religion, and religion is all the things of, of, you know, I have to go to church, I have to read my Bible, I have to pray, these are the things I have to do, the things I don't. There's important pieces there that help support our faith, but that's not the central component of our faith. What's central to our faith is our relationship with Jesus, that he wants it to be an out of relationship. Then those other things follow, but it begins with relationship. Again, back in the context of marriage, if if, if I thought about marriage like many people think about faith as religion, then my marriage, you know, how would I describe my marriage? Well, it's about the institution of marriage. I mean, is that why I'm married, is to, is to uphold the institution of marriage? I mean, how, th- there's no relationship there. Just I, I got to do the things that married, you know, couples are supposed to do and be with each other and, and committed. I, I do it because of the institution of marriage. You'd be like, that is a lame relationship, right? I mean, those are good things. There's things to uphold, but what's at the heart of that? It's got to be desired for love to be known. And it starts with that Pursuit. It starts with that love, that trust, that, and spiritually as well, that trust that God is pursuing a relationship with us, that God loves us and he wants to be in relationship. The most well-known verse, John 3, 16. For God so what? Loved. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. It was out of love. It was the love motivation that, that God brought. Jesus, to show us what love looks like. And so how does that faith begin to develop? How do we grow in that faith? Romans 10, 17 says this, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. We have to hear about, we have to know, and maybe even in these weeks as we've been talking about this, if you've been exploring faith, whether you're here or whether you're watching online, and and just through hearing the good news, hearing about who Jesus is and what he's done, something begins to stir in you. Maybe as you're in worship, as you're encountering the Holy Spirit, as you're encountering other believers, the hearing of the good news is growing in you. Or you can read Scripture, and you just begin, as, as you start reading through the Bible, you're hearing the good news. And all of a sudden, faith begins to grow. And that's, that's what it's talking about here, that, that through the hearing, faith begins to, to plant a seed. Something begins to happen. It's like that courtship. It's like that time where we get to hear from one another, learn about each other, and grow in that relationship. Revelations 30, 20 says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. This is Jesus talking. If you hear my voice, I'm standing there. I'm knocking. I'm waiting for you. There's this picture painted here. Take a look at it's from Warner Salmon. And uh, maybe you've seen this picture before. Uh, I remember as a, as a kid, we had some of these paintings or little pictures in, in, in our house. And uh it's a picture that that depicts this verse. Jesus standing at the door knocking, saying, I want to come in. He's standing at the door knocking. I want to share a meal together with you as friends. He's what, what is that? It's relationship. He wants a relationship. I'm not here to present to you a theology of religion and faith. I want to share a meal with you. Take a look at the a moment at this picture and see if there's anything else. Just kind of the things that that stand out to you. Pretend you're at an art exhibit and now you're just trying to admire the painting and, and see what. What are some things you might notice? I didn't say to say it out loud. (laughs) No, You're all right, Diana. It's all good. I recognize your voice. (laughs) Yeah, there's several things happening here. One, yeah, there's no doorknob on the door. Do you see the heart, the heart shape as well, kind of formed with the door frame and the arch? It's this idea of knocking on the the, heart, the, the door of our heart. Maybe you notice the thistles. There's not the heart's not been tended to. There's, there's there's overgrown weeds there. There's the light of Christ that's radiating. Maybe you notice the little grated window. There's the sense of, of I kind of thought it would be cool to paint a picture of what's the perspective from the inside out, right? From the person behind the door, right? From looking out out. Seeing that radiance, seeing the glow of Christ, seeing that presence, that warmth, and and Jesus being outside there. Jesus says, look, if you open the door, if you open the door, I will come in. And and so that's a promise. That's a promise from Jesus that that when we want to have faith that Jesus doesn't force his way in, that Jesus is there, that he's saying, look, I'm coming, and I'm just here. And maybe you feel that in your heart. You feel that sense of Christ's presence. He's knocking at the door of our heart. He's saying, look, I'm here. I long for that relationship. And so just be reminded here as we begin, how can I have faith that we need to trust God's promise, God's promise to love us. we got to trust that love that God is pursuing us. The second is this, receive God's love. It's one thing to trust. It's one thing to know about. One thing to know Jesus is there. He wants a relationship with us. But we have to open that door. We have to receive that love. And I think about, again, our relationship and, you know, with me and Shannon and through courtship and getting to know each other and dating. But eventually there comes a point in time where it's like, all right, I, I want this to be a lifelong relationship. And so I get down on one knee, and I propose to her, and we get married, and we got a couple pictures here, kind of as the, as the, as the relationship grew a couple years later. That's at our engagement uh, there, and that's actually in Switzerland, and, and that's our wedding, uh, our, our wedding day. Oh, don't we look so... Just the same. Nothing's, nothing's changed at all. It's amazing. Just a spitting, spitting image. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a gray beard back then, or gray hair. Um, but there's a day that we commit to one another, Man, I remember, you know, May 14th, 1999, we got married in the last millennium. Man, that's how long we've been married. On a Friday night, 6.30 p.m., South Meridian Church of God, Anderson, Indiana, before friends and family, before in the sight of God and these witnesses, we declared, I do, I will, and she to me and me to her. And we defined that this is our covenant relationship to one another. God wants that relationship with us. He wants us to have a moment where we can define and say, this is our relationship. We are clear on this. But it's a little different with God. It's not a simultaneous, like, I will if you will. God went first. And so here's a key phrase, too. It's not do but done. This is what's different. With Jesus, it's not do but done. What do I mean by that? Sometimes I think what keeps us from opening the door to Jesus or what keeps us from engaging that relationship is, what do I have to do when we don't feel worthy? (laughs) We don't feel like I can do enough. And here's the answer. You can't do enough. It's not about how much you do. You can't be good enough. You can't be perfect enough. You can't clean yourself up enough. It's not what you do. And so we continue to try to think like when it's time, when I'm ready, then. No, no, no. It's not what we do. Because the problem with that is we're never going to get to that point. We're never going to be good enough. And so we have to look at done. Jesus said it's done. I've already made the way for the relationship. It's completely finished. Jesus hanging on the cross, three words, it is finished. What's finished? The work has been accomplished, the the price has been paid, the thing that's going to establish the relationship, that's going to make the way, the openness to the relationship has been done by Jesus. He's made the way for us and he's saying, look, now we just have to receive that. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So our life and the, and, and the sin in our life, the, the garbage in our life, the crap in our lives, the things that we can't clean up, it, it, that's death. And some of us are going in that direction. We feel that death. We feel that decay. But the verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. A free gift of life. <laughs> He's saying, it's done. I've done it. It's right here. It's a free gift. Now, if you're like me, you're skeptical of free gifts. <laughs> Anyone? I mean, it's almost like an ox- I mean, free and gift should go together, but whenever somebody says, yeah, I've got something free for you, what do you think? Eh, strings. What do you want? What's going on here? What? And, and, and just a couple weeks ago on, on Super Bowl Sunday, remember that we talked a little bit about that before, the He Gets Us ads about just presenting Jesus in a different way in our, in, in our world. And so I went to the He Gets Us site, and they, they said, you, we have free swag, free gear. You can get a free hat. You can get a free um, t-shirt. You can get a free sticker. And I'm like... I like free. I mean, I do like free, and I'm skeptical, but I like free. And so I was thinking, all right, I don't know. So I went through the website, and I clicked, and I was like, all right, I like that hat. I like that, I like that shirt. And then I clicked on it, and you know what I did? I put it in the shopping cart. I'm like, you don't put stuff in a cart that's free. I mean, like, you give it to me. Like, okay, all right, all right. I'll go to the cart, and I clicked on the cart, and, um, and I was getting ready to check out. showed the items there, and then it said, choose your preferred payment method of payment. I was like, "Here we go," what? and then I clicked on it, and this is what popped up. So you guys can all go and get some free T-shirts and some free hats. Seriously. So this was the this was what was on it was there, and it was like all my skepticism, all this stuff. Like, oh, here we go. They're going to get you. And it was like, this is an outflow. Now, was the T-shirt free? Is the hat free? Is the shipping free? Free to me. But somebody out there is just doing it for free, right? No, somebody paid for that stuff. Somebody is putting money out there saying, these t-shirts are free. <laughs> these hats are free. We're going to cover the shipping. We just, we're going to give this to you as a gift. Just, here's what you do. Just, just pay it forward. Do something with it. Love somebody. Live out of that. God's gift to us is free. And yet we're skeptical. Sometimes we wonder, what are the strings are attached? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's free. It's free, but it wasn't cheap, Right? It's a free gift, but it wasn't cheap. It was paid for at a great price. Jesus' life is death on the cross. It cost Jesus everything to give us that free gift. And yet we're sometimes skeptical. I got to take care of this. I got to do these things. No, no, no. It's free. It's received by faith. John 1, 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Believed and accepted, right? Trusted in God's love and then received that. You accept that gift, and in that moment, you have the right to become a child of God. That's when you're part of that family. And and another way of receiving that gift, the Bible talks about repentance. It's a scary word. Repentance, it just means to turn around, change direction to come back, to turn back towards God. In the story in the Bible of the prodigal son, the son who left his father, who went on his own, when it says when he came to his senses, he turned around, he repented. He made his way back towards God, towards the direction of his father. And so we think in terms of, what does repentance look like? What are you actually leaving behind anyway? The life that's not working for you? The dead ends? The pain? The pain? The emptiness, the hollowness. What are we leaving behind? We're turning from that towards life, towards faith, towards what God wants to offer to us. And let me maybe phrase this a little bit different than loving God. It's this way: Let God love you. Let God love you. So much. So many times we think about faith as me loving God. And there's absolutely a love for God, but it begins with let God love you. I think this is where many of us get hung up is allowing God to love us. We don't feel lovable, we don't feel worthy, we don't feel honorable enough, we don't feel like we have it together enough. And so God can't possibly love us. I don't know how I can't tell you how many times people have said to me if I show up at church, lightning's gonna strike. (laughs) Because they feel like you know, I'm just not worthy of that. I can't, you know, so I'm gonna try to love God. No, no, let God love. Love you. Well, I remember where this caught me was I was was visiting a a church and their, I don't know if it was their mission statement or a phrase that they had, it said, letting God love us and love others through us. And I thought it was interesting that the first step is letting God love us. Because so many times we resist that. And, And I think this is where things begin to change. It's receiving that love. Let God love you in your pain, let Him love you in your grief. Let God love you while you're still in your addiction, while you're still struggling. Letting God love us is the first part of receiving that gift from God, and that repentance, when we experience that love, draws us back to the Father, and it can change us, and it can transform us. Here's a story of one individual whose life was radically transformed. Take a look.
0: federal prison, and for me, that was my bottom, that was the end of my road, I didn't know how to get out of this, and I could only turn to Jesus, and here I was in this situation, but I knew that God could redeem me, and so I began to make changes in prison, the moment that I accepted Jesus, it wasn't that I changed who I was, it was that I accepted who I was, and I became who he wanted me to be. Took something so broken and made it a beautiful art piece. And now, seeing my life being redeemed, the story of redemption that now I have a beautiful wife, I have a son, and I get to be part of a community of faith, hope, and love.
1: It's a pretty r- radical transformation. But it doesn't have to just be that radical. Emerson has become a pastor and and leads an amazing ministry. And you think God changes us. He transforms us because we allow him to love us. So how can I have faith, trust God's love, receive God's love? And the third piece, not just those two things, it's experiencing God's love. It's about the experience. It's not just re, uh, trusting and receiving. It's about experiencing. Could you imagine if, um, you know, for me, it would be so hard to imagine to say, you know, the best part, the pinnacle of our relationship, my relationship with Shannon was, was on our, our wedding day. That was, that was when our love was the strongest. That's when our love was the deepest. I mean, and since that day, it has just been downhill. I say I can't imagine that. I can't imagine saying that because that's not true. It's not true. Please, <laughs> right? Maybe I misspoke what I was intending to say at that level. No, love continues to grow over time, and so you know, here's a you know, we're we're approaching 23 uh, or we're 24 years of marriage, and we got there's a little picture here. We we get to experience the world. We get to see things together. We get to experience life together. Yes, there's more gray hairs. Yes, there's there's some you know you know just a couple of wrinkles just on me, and it's just amazing how God walks with us through these. This time, nine thousand plus days together on this journey, and it's about experiencing. It's not just saying, "Good, you know, check." I have a relationship. We got married, and and I and that's what I just needed to make sure that I was married because that was important. No, it was about wanting to experience life together. That's the whole point of relationship, is that that bond that it grows and it deepens, and so it is in our faith. It's not just about, "Check, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I gave my life to Christ. I got baptized." I occasionally go to church, and now I'm good. You know, I've got my, my fire insurance for eternity. No, I mean, it, that's such a shallow way of understanding the relationship of what Jesus wants. To have faith is to live in that. It's, it's to experience that, and it's through the Holy Spirit that we get to experience that. It's through that relationship that the Holy Spirit comes and, and, and gives us that presence, that reality of Christ, each and every day. We're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit uh, in, in, in the weeks ahead. But knowing that Scripture says that the the Holy Spirit is, is like a wind, we can't see it, we don't know where it's blowing, but we can see the effects of the wind. We can see the power of the wind. We can experience when our life is transformed and when God is changing us, it renews us, it makes us a new person. It's not just, I know I'm saved and I'm a believer, but no, I'm being transformed. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that when the Holy Spirit becomes a part of our lives, there's fruit that grows out of that. There's evidence of a transformation that takes place. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you need any of those? Do any of us need to grow in any of these areas? I mean, the Holy Spirit transforms as it changes us. I, I think about my own life. God's had to work on becoming, me becoming more gracious, He's becoming more patient. He's still got a lot of work to do. Pride and selfishness the desire for control, all those things are God saying, soften those parts. Take those edges down. Let the Holy Spirit change you. And that's that relationship with God. It changes it. I'm not the same guy that Shannon married. She's not the same woman that we married. God has formed us and transformed us. And, and, and talk about the unity of becoming one, that beautiful picture, and in faith becoming one with our Heavenly Father, that we are in Him and that He is in us. We are changing and here's what the Holy Spirit does, Romans eight sixteen For the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. It affirms that in us. So the experience is not just, I can look back then. We can look back every day and be affirmed that we are in this relationship with Jesus Christ. That we know that we are followers of Jesus. That we live in that and we experience that. And as life continues on and as we grow, the fruit and the blessings and the, the intimacy with God begins to change us. I think, again, about our family life. It's not just about me and Shannon. Now we have a family, and we get to enjoy things together. And here's us at King's Island. And no, it's not really King's Island. (laughs) That was last summer. We did actually get to go there. Um, Green screen. No. Uh, Experiencing things together as a family. And if you have kids, you know how that changes the way that you relate to your kids and the way you understand yourself and the way that you see God. That it's not just, again, a religion about some dis- distant relationship, but that but now I can be in relationship with my Heavenly Father, that I can feel that intimacy, that I can feel that closeness with Him. A couple years ago, just dealing with some challenging things in, in life and in ministry and, and talking to a counselor and, and just needing to feel, feel again, needing to grow spiritually again, feeling that, that relationship with God. The, what the counselor said to me is think about the prayer that, that Brennan Manning um, prayed. It's simply the prayer that says, Abba, I belong to you. Just, I was told, just repeat that over and over and over. Go on a walk, sit in silence, just say, Abba, I belong to you. Abba is what Jesus talked, uh, how he talked to his father, and it's the word translated as daddy, <laughs> not father. Father God. I mean, there's times for sure to be in reverence of God and awe of who he is. But there are other times where we really need to say, this is the kind of image of crawling up on daddy's lap and saying, I belong to you. Just letting myself be loved. Letting myself be acknowledged that regardless of what we do, our successes, our failures, our hurts, our hangups, the issues that we have, just let God love you. As a parent, when I think about our kids, if I think about them straying away, or, or I don't can't imagine anything they do in their lives where at some point I wouldn't say, just let me love you. I may not like what you're doing, I may not agree with what you're doing, I may it may be hurtful, but I just want to love you, let me love you. And God wants to love us in that way. To have that relationship, to experience God's love. How can I have faith? Can you trust God's love? He loves you. He wants that relationship with you. He's standing there. He he, he wants to share a meal with you as friends. He's just saying, I want to be in relationship with you, not just some kind of cold religion and experience. I want this to be real. Will you receive the love? Will you open the door? Will you recognize God's already done everything for you? You just have to accept this free gift from him. And then will you live in that love? Will you experience it where it begins in you and it changes you and it transforms you and you say, yes, I know God. He knows me. I'm in relationship with him. That's faith. That's putting our faith and experiencing it in in that way. As we close our time here, we're going to close with communion. And what I like about communion is, even as we read that, that passage, that Jesus says, I want to share a meal with you as friends. This is the meal. This is the table. This is Jesus inviting us to the table saying, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to put that picture back up that uh, we looked at a little bit earlier and the spoiler alert that Diane shared. (laughs) I love it. There's no door handle. There's no door handle. Why is that? Because Jesus is never going to force his way in, he's not going to kick down the door. He's not going to say, You have to be in a relationship with me. Here's what I. No, it's up to you to open the door. It's up to you whether you want to share that meal with Jesus and be in relationship and accept that love and let God love you. Despite the growing thistles, despite the darkness that you may feel. Sometimes we don't want to let Jesus in because he wants to share a meal and we're not sure that we know how to cook or that what we've prepared is good enough or that what's behind that door is too unkept and too unclean and we're no 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 Jesus I don't care about that stuff. I care about you. I want to be in relationship with you. Will you open the door? When you experience that, that knocking on your heart, that that presence of Christ, how do you respond? Jesus is simply saying, look, I want to love you. I want to forgive you. I want to set you free, and I want to be in a relationship with you for the rest of your life and for all eternity, that you can experience freedom and forgiveness. You can know today. When Jesus was with his disciples, he invited them around the table. I mean, this is the table. It's, it's come and share a meal with me. And it's not just the meal. Jesus takes the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. He literally broke his body on the cross so that we could be a part of him, that we could be in that relationship. Before we take communion today, I wonder if some of you maybe today, for the first time in this very tangible act of taking communion, might say, this is me opening my heart. Christ. This is me, maybe for the first time, really acknowledging, Jesus, I want to share a meal with you as friends, as my Lord, as my Savior, as one who's forgiven. And you begin that relationship today, March 5th, 2023, a new beginning, a fresh start. Jesus says, come and let's share a meal together as friends. Let's take together the bread. Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup represents my blood, represents forgiveness of sin, a new life, a new covenant, a new beginning, a new relationship together. Remember, it's what Jesus Christ did for us. It's done. We just have to receive it. Let's give thanks for Christ's spilled blood for us on the cross. we take some time to pray, I just want you to reflect in silence. Close your eyes or maybe look at the picture. Where do you stand with Christ? You don't have to guess. You can know, and you can experience that relationship for yourself today. Express to God in your own heart what you desire with him today. Let's just pray for a few moments. Father, today I pray for anyone here today, anyone in the sound of my voice, anyone listening online. Father, if they've never opened their heart to you, never invited you in, never just received the love that you have, may today be the day, Father, where they acknowledge you as Lord and Savior, friend in their life, God. Someone to walk with, someone to experience this life together that gives them power and peace and transformation life now and for all eternity. Father, this morning, we just give you our heart. We commit ourselves to you. Father, for those that have spent years in relationship with you and know you, God, would you continue to strengthen that bond? Would you renew that love and remind us of your goodness? God, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit each and every day that walks with us, that that leads us, that guides us. And Father, we're not just celebrating or remembering an ancient religion, but God, that we are experiencing a living relationship. We love you, God, and we thank you for what you've done to pave the way. We're so thankful. We're so grateful. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.